This morning it is July 2nd, 2023. In two days, on the 4th of July, we will celebrate the 247th birthday of our nation. For most people that will be a holiday, a day off of work. We will cook out. We will have hot dogs and, and homemade ice cream and apple pie. Uh, we will shoot off fireworks. Our kids will play and our dogs will get underneath the porch. It'll be a celebration like a whole lot of other uh, 4th of July celebrations that have gone on before, except this year, as we head into this week, as we celebrate and prepare to celebrate this week, our nation, as never before, is in great peril. Now, I want you to listen very closely this morning. Our nation, as never before, as we head into this week, is in a dangerous place. Uh, today, I had planned to continue our study in the book of Revelation. Uh, I was more than glad to. I was happy to look at the next set of verses there. But as I was preparing this week, I came to believe that today, as a nation, we need some things. In fact, I will tell you, if these things are not found, our nation as we know it will not Last. Now listen, I'm not trying to, to, sense, sense, to make that a, a point that just draw our emotions out. Uh, our nation, if we do not change some things, as we know it, will not last. It is that critical. And so I will tell you, my prayer today is that this message is a turning point. My prayer today is that this message is a spark that would somehow ignite a fire. My prayer is that this message would begin a movement that would bring glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I am praying, and I have been praying, for a great impact from this message this morning. It is that critical. Today, our message is entitled, What America Needs. What America Needs. We're going to have one verse, a focal verse that we start with. It's in Psalm 33 verse 12. It's a, a verse from the Hebrew songbook. Psalm 33, verse 12. What America needs. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Psalm 33, verse 12. The first half of the verse says this, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I want you to hear that again. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I pray as we have assembled, I pray that we come today with open ears and I pray that we would come today with receptive hearts and I pray that we would come as a people that are open to your truth, open to your correction, uh, open to your empowerment and I pray Lord that we would be a changed people leaving this hour, leaving this service. Lord, I pray as the church Again, that we would be equipped for the days that are ahead. I pray, Lord, for a nation that is turning against you, uh, that, that is really uh, reveling in its sin. I pray, Lord, the church of Jesus Christ would proclaim the good news of the truth of a risen Savior. Lord, I pray that today this message would bear an impact. And I pray in the hearts of those that are here today, but I pray for those that will listen in another way. I, I pray, Lord, that it would bear a great impact. And I pray the result of that is people would find Jesus. 
I pray the result of that is there will be a, a nation of folks that turn to Jesus. I pray as a result of that that our Savior Jesus will be known and will be glorified. Lord, we come and we just tell you we love you. We praise you. We submit to you. We trust you. We love you. And so we lay this time at your feet. Lord, I pray again that it's not a normal hour. I pray it would be a supernatural hour when you would speak. And I again trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we begin today, I want us to think about the verse that I just read. Again, it's from the Hebrew songbook. Uh, it was written most likely by King David. There's some that would say there's a different author. I believe it was King David that wrote this song. Uh, it speaks of a promise about Israel. And that is the direct context. It is speaking of a promise about Israel. But as we look at it, we also find it is a pattern for us today. In fact, I would say it is a pattern for any nation today. So it is a promise made to Israel. It is a song about that promise but I believe as we look at it, we find a pattern for any nation today. God's word says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That first word blessed in the original language in the Hebrew, it is a word that means happy. And that could have a whole lot of expressions. It means happy. Most literally, it means blessed. And so the word of God says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, in practicality, it means the nation whose God is the Lord is the nation that will be blessed. And so if you want a formula, that's the formula that God gives us here in this pattern. The nation whose God is the Lord, that is the nation who will be blessed. Now, that seems very plain as we read it, uh, that seems straightforward enough as we look at it, but I want to tell you, somehow we have missed that. Maybe somehow we have walked away from that, and we are now neglecting that. But somehow it seems we are missing that. Today I want you to, to think, about, uh, think about the voices you hear, think about on social media, think about on the news channels. Uh, there are now all sorts of people listing all sorts of things that would make our nation blessed. Now those people are usually very adamant about those things. They are usually very loud about those things. But there are all sorts of people given all sorts of ideas of things that would bless our nation. Now, there are folks who would say better education would bless our nation. And we need to revamp the education system. If we could change the education system, our nation would be blessed. There are many that say, well, it's the economy that must change. And if we could repair the economy, if we could, if we could set the economy up, our nation would be blessed. There are many that say it is a better government. And if we had a better government, if we had a different government, if we had better laws, then our nation would be blessed. And they would say the fault of the things that we are seeing fall upon the government. There are others that say, well, it's the better use of resources. And if we used our resources more wisely, uh, whatever that looks like, our nation would be blessed. And there's all sorts of ideas. We could go on and on, all sorts of ideas that are being held up. All sorts of voices 
proclaiming those ideas. Well, I want to say the Bible makes it very simple. The Bible says this, the nation that will be blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Now, here's the warning. And I, I want you to listen very carefully. Here's the, the warning this morning. Our nation today, on July 2nd, two days before July 4th, our nation today, from Purple Mountain's majesty, from sea to shining sea, I believe is no longer a nation whose God is the Lord. Now, I'm going to explain that to you. I'm going to tell you what that means. In a second, I'm going to tell you there is an answer. Now, when I say that, you may say, well, this seems very dire. This seems very hopeless. I want to tell you there is hope and there is an answer. In a moment, I'm going to tell you that answer. But I think we need to start off today and we need to think about and we need to consider three hard truths. That's where we're going to start. We're going to evaluate where we're at today. And I'm going to start off with three hard truths. Now, let me just go ahead and say this up front. These may be hard to hear. Uh, these may upset some of you. In fact, they may upset many of you. But I believe it is important that we start right here. And so I'm going to tell you three truths about our nation. The first truth is this. America, as a nation, has gone sadly astray. America, as a nation has gone sadly astray. Our nation as a whole has abandoned the word of God as truth. Our nation as a whole has rejected the word of God as truth. And so we do not uphold the word of God as a nation. We do not submit to the word of God as a nation because as a nation, we no longer believe the word of God. Now let me just tell you this, and I believe all of our problems stem from that. Now we would like to go around and point fingers at folks, and we'd like to say, well, this group, they started the problem, or these folks over here, they are the problem. But I want to tell you, all of the problems stem from this. As a nation, we do not believe the word of God. Now let me give you an example. Now I could give you many examples. But let me give you one example. Do you know why today there is such racism and division and such hatred in our nation today? Now, nobody will deny that. It is everywhere. There is racism around every corner. Do you know why there is such racism and division in our nation today? It is because we do not believe what God has said, that he made one race, and that is the human race, and we are all equal before God because we are all created in the image of God. And I'll just tell you, when you start saying, and when you start teaching that some people are more evolved than other people, you're going to end up with racism. You're going to end up with trouble. Now that's just one example. There could be many, many areas that I would talk about right now. I could talk about marriage. The problem in marriage today, you want to know what that is? It's because we've left the Word of God. I could talk about abortion and the value of life. I could tell you all the reasons, but I want to tell you it boils down to we've lost the Word of God. We no longer believe 
the word of God. As a nation, we've gone astray. We've abandoned the word of God. The first truth is this. America has gone sadly astray. We've turned against the word of God. In doing so, listen, we've turned against God. America has gone sadly astray. Second truth is this. Now, you might hear this, and you may say, well, that's kind of a, a cheap shot, or you may hear this and say, well, that's kind of a silly thing to say, but I think we ought to say it as we begin our discussion this morning. The second truth is this. God doesn't need America. Do you know that? God doesn't need America. God does not need America. Some of us go through life and we say, well, we're kind of messing up as a nation. Well, we're off track as a nation, but that's okay. We're America. We're, we're Americans. And somehow God needs us. Today, I think one of the craziest things I hear is I hear preachers, and they're always preaching that it seems like if America is going to fail, that somehow God has failed. Listen to me, friend. God has blessed America. Yes. God has protected America. Yes. God has used America. But I want us to be sure this morning, God does not need America. He owes us nothing. The last truth is this. I said I was going to start with three truths. This one I believe is going to be the hardest to hear. The last truth is this. Listen very carefully. I believe America as it exists is an affront to God. America as it exists, I believe, is an abomination to God. And I'll just tell you, I believe our nation as it currently exists, is vile in the sight of God Almighty. Now, I'm not telling you anything new when I tell you our nation accepts sin. Our nation affirms sin. That's the new word, to be affirming. Our nation affirms sin. Our nation approves and celebrates sin. Our nation promotes sin. Our nation encourages and finances and teaches sin. Our nation revels in sin, all while somehow fraudulently claiming to be a Christian nation. And I want to tell you, friends, it is an affront to God. Now, I could say a lot of things right here, but let me just say one thing here. It is nothing less than satanic and evil and vile to fly a flag at the White House that promotes and stands for every form of perverseness one month and then to show up the next month in this month and sing God bless America. And I'll just tell you, I go and I read the pages of Scripture, and I truly believe Sodom and Gomorrah weren't as wicked as we are in our nation today. Look around. Nineveh wasn't as hard-hearted as we are in our nation today. Assyria wasn't as bloodthirsty and violent as we are in our nation today. And folks, our nation has abandoned the Word of God, and so our nation now exists in opposition to God Almighty. It's not going to be popular to say that. 
hurts to hear that. Our nation, the things that it is undertaking, the things that it is promoting, the things that it funnels its money to is an affront to God Almighty. Here's what Satan says. Satan says, overlook it. Satan says, you're smarter than that. Satan says, it's not all that bad. It's not really that bad. Satan says, have another hot dog and celebrate as your nation mocks God. So we hear that this morning, and the question then becomes, and so what is the answer? Now, I want you to hear me, and I don't want you to hear part of the message, and not the other part of the message. The answer is this. Listen to me. There is still hope. And I want you to be sure. You can be confident right now. There is an answer. And so that brings us to the focal point of the sermon, and that is this, what America needs. What America needs. Here's the warning. Here's the announcement. What America needs. The first thing is this. What America needs is for the church to stand up. What America needs is for the church to stand up. Do you know the problem is not the lost world? Man, we like to to go around and punch the lost world. The problem is not the lost world. That's what the lost world does. They act like lost people. I want to tell you today, the problem is the church. The problem is that the church is so weak and so compromised and so apathetic and distracted that it looks just like the lost world that we exist in. And so listen to me, friend. The problem is not the lost world. The problem is the church that's lost its way in the world. Folks, the Bible says the church is the pillar of the truth. You know what that means? It's to uphold the truth. The Bible says the church is the defender of the truth. If the truth is getting slaughtered, it's the church's responsibility to defend it. The Bible says the church is to be the proclaimer of the truth. How's anybody going to know and hear the truth if the church doesn't proclaim it? And in these days, America needs the church to stand up. God help us as the church. What America needs, first thing, is for the church to stand up. America needs the church to stand up. And that brings us to the second thing. What America needs is for believers to show up. What America needs is for believers to show up. Now, I want you to think about this, and I want you to consider it. The Bible says we as believers, we are the salt of the world. The Bible says we as believers, we are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He has left. He has given us that that task. We We are the light of the world. The Bible says as believers, we are ambassadors for Christ. Listen to me. What America needs in these dark days is for believers to show up. Now listen, I'm not talking about church attendance. That's the minimum thing. That's the starting place. But I'm talking about believers, disciples, true disciples of Jesus Christ showing up in the culture, showing up in the workplace, showing up in the public square, on on school boards and city councils, on ball fields. I'm talking about disciples of Christ showing up in our homes and for our kids and, and with the language that we use, with the things that we do, where we spend our time, how we spend our money. 
We are, we are to be praying and we're to know the Word of God and we're to be growing in the knowledge of the Word of God and we're to be raising our kids and we're to be telling them and showing them this is the priority, this is the truth, that is our mission and people should see these folks are imitators of Jesus Christ. They are given to the name and the cause and the glory of Jesus Christ. Friends, America needs believers to show up. To truly show up. I'm going to tell you this. Maybe you can notice it. Most likely the world's not coming here. You ever notice that? Most likely the world's not coming here Sunday morning at 10. And if the world's going to see peace, and I'm talking about real peace, they're going to see it lived out in the lives of believers. How are they so different? How, how, how do they have peace? If they're going to see peace they're going to see it in the lives of believers. If they're going to see joy in a joyless world, if they're going to see real joy, not trumped up fake joy, if they're going to see real joy, they're going to see it in the life of a believer. If they're going to see love and not the world's definition of love, if they're going to see love, they're going to see it at the, at the cost of self in the life of a believer. The world doesn't have those things. The world has to make fake versions of those things. The world's clamoring, looking for those things. If they're ever going to see those things, they ought to see it in the life of a believer. Listen, America needs believers to show up. And that brings us to the third thing. America needs the church to stand up America needs believers to show up. And both of those things lead us to the third thing. America needs Jesus to be held up. And I'm going to say that again in case we missed that. We may have been in church so long that we're numb to it. We may have heard those words so long it doesn't impact us. I'm going to say that again so we're sure of it. Listen to me. America today needs Jesus to be held up. And as soon as I say that, that may, may sound cliche, and I know that it does. That may sound like a goofy thing to say, and the world will say, how goofy and dumb is that? That may sound too simplistic. It may sound outdated and old-fashioned. But let me ask you a question today. How's everything else working for you? If you say the answer is Jesus, the world laughs at that. Well, let me ask the world, how's everything else working for you? How's atheism working for you? How's humanism, materialism, secularism, how are they working for you? How's individualism, modernism, Darwinism, postmodernism, how are they working for you? Freudism, hedonism, intellectualism, legalism, how's it working for you? Mysticism, naturalism, pantheism, pluralism, how are they working for you? Now I'll just give you a shortcut to the answer. They are not. I think about my granddad. He, he's not, he'd been gone a little while. hadn't been gone that long. But I think if I were to try to explain him some of the things happening right now, I, I, can't, I can't imagine what he would think. We have men in cabinet-level positions in the United States government who are wearing pantyhose and dressing like women, saying they are women with a woman's name, 
making medical decisions for the United States of America. I can't imagine telling my granddad that. We have, listen to this, I heard this last week. We have married men couples. I'm going to tell you something, marriage between a man and a woman, and that's what the Bible says, but we can go out to California and there can be two men married to each other and they can file on their insurance for infertility treatments. That's a true story. Two men are complaining that they have an infertility problem. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. What nonsense is that? I watched a video yesterday. The United States military has become so politically correct, they have a man named Rebecca dressed as a man with women's makeup on saying that she is proud of Pride Month in the United States Army. Suicide rates are up. Teenage children's suicide rates are through the roof. We give out prescription drugs for depression because nobody can see straight anymore like it's candy. You want to know how it's working, friends? It's not working. Friends, but I want you to hear me. And I want you to be confident of this. It may sound dumb, but what's the world doing? It may sound silly, but how's the world's way paying off? Friends, I want you to hear this, and I want you to be confident in it. Listen to me. The hope for America, the remedy for America, the answer for America, friend, listen to me, is Jesus Christ himself. And I want to tell you, if there's ever going to be a revival in our nation, if there's ever going to be true and lasting peace in our nation, if there's going to be repentance and the turning from sin in our nation, if there's going to be the resulting joy in our nation, it will be when from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans filled with foam that Jesus is held up and Jesus is proclaimed. Listen to me, America needs Jesus. America needs Jesus. And so thousand years ago in the wisdom of God, inspired by God himself, the psalmist says this, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Listen to me, friends. His name is Jesus. You know what the nation needs? Jesus. You know the world tail spinning into sin needs Jesus. You know what I need? Jesus. We need Jesus. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Here's the question. Do you really believe that? See, it's easy to nod. Do you really believe that? Well, we need to get a council together. Well, we need to get some experts together. Do you really believe that? Listen to me. The church is going to stand up when believers show up. Today I watch people, and I don't want to, but I watch people, and over and over again, they're hurting. They're broken. They're sad, and they try to trump up some, some sort of emotional response, and I'll go out, and I'll, I'll do these things, and I'll try to make it look like it's a good life, and it'll seem like it's good, but their, their hearts are broken. They're filled with pain and grief. 
They try to hide it, but they walk around in shame and guilt and regret. Oh, the turns they wish they'd never made, the places they wish they'd never gone. And they walk around and, they, and like a knife on their back, they're filled with regret and hurt. And I watch that, and that's what the world produces. And the answer is this. The answer is as simple as this. Turn to Jesus. He'll forgive you. He'll renew you. He'll restore you. He'll redeem you. He loves you. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let's pray. During fall we come, and I'm thankful for a simple truth. But Lord, I'm thankful for a profound truth, for a great truth. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sin. I'm a sorry sinner, and I know it. Thankful for hope in the finished work of Christ. My willpower wasn't strong enough, never was. I wasn't tough enough to pull off, couldn't, couldn't do it. Given to sin, consumed in sin, I have a Savior for sin, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful that in Christ my penalty is paid, and in Christ my redemption is secured. By faith in Christ, not of any work that I would ever do, but by faith I am saved, redeemed, forgiven. Lord, I'm thankful for that. I pray, Lord, as we hear this today, I pray if there's anybody that doesn't know you, I pray in the hearing of that truth, their hearts respond and their minds are clear. Any hindrances are moving. Today they respond in faith and they're saved. The glory of Christ. Lord, I pray for a church that wouldn't be content to watch people suffer and to watch people hurt, but would carry that good news of Jesus to a lost and dying and hurting world. Lord, I pray in a, in a wicked, evil day that mocks your name, that spurns your love and your grace, I pray, Lord, that the church of Jesus Christ would stand up and say there is hope today, and there is peace today, and there is a risen lamb, a king today, and his name is Jesus. Let us proclaim you and proclaim your truth. Let it bear much fruit. Lord, I come and I, with a very small singular verse, tell you I'm sorry for our nation. I'm sorry for its sin. I'm sorry for its rebellion. I'm sorry for your love made known over and over and over that it's being rejected. I ask that you would forgive us. Lord, I, I pray that the church would carry your witness into that world of rebellion, I pray that the fruit would bring glory to you. Lord, I pray for, for people here in this service. And what's happening on a national level really is just a reflection of our own hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us and you wouldn't leave us like this, that you would restore us, that you would renew us. I pray that we would cling to the hope that as an individual in Christ, our best days are ahead of us. Lord, I pray that in all this that you are known, that this is your truth. And I pray that it bears much fruit and a result and impact for your namesake. And I trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you very quickly the good news that our nation has and our nation rejects is that we have a Savior in Jesus. We have a hope in Jesus. And I want to tell you this, we're all sinners, all of us. We've all sinned. I want to tell you, in that sin, we've earned a punishment, separation from God for all eternity. It wasn't my parents that did it. It wasn't my environment that did it. I did it. I sinned. I earned my punishment. Sometimes we like to talk about, well, you don't know how I got here. Well, listen, 
Doesn't matter how we got here. I sinned. You sinned. We sinned against the holy God. But in great grace and in great love, God sees and he knows. And he sends his only begotten son, Jesus. He comes. He lives a life he never sins. Because he never sins, he's able to offer himself in your place and my place. And that's what he does at the cross of Calvary. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he goes to the cross, suffering the shame of the cross, stripped naked, beaten. The Bible says, beyond recognition, nailed to the cross, paying for my sorry sin, for your sorry sin. He pays for it there. He settles it there. It's finished there. Penalty for sin is death. He dies our death. They pull him off that cross. They put him in a, a borrowed tomb. Penalties paid. Three days later, he walks out of that tomb. He stands as the risen lamb, the hope of sinners, the king of kings. And the Bible says, listen, not of anything that we're ever going to do, not if we clean ourselves up enough, not if we go to church enough, not if we impress the right people, but by believing on Jesus, trusting in Jesus as the Savior, the remedy for sin. The Bible says this, you are saved. If you profess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Christ Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. If you'll trust Jesus, he'll save you right now. Don't care what your past is. Don't care how big it is. Don't care how grievous it is. Don't care how well you've hidden it. Don't care how, care how well it's publicized. If you'll trust Jesus, he'll save you right now. Friend, turn to Christ. He'll save you right now. That is our hope. If you haven't done that in a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. Do it then. Settle it then. If you need more information, you come. Let's talk it through. Let's see what God has said his word. Let's settle that today. That's our hope. But I'm going to tell you something. That's also the hope for all people, for all sinners. And that is the hope for our nation. May we carry that message, that simple, profound message to a hurting world. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If God's speaking to you, I'm going to ask that you would step out and you would come meet me here at the front. Maybe you say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I made a decision in the past. I don't know what it was. Listen, if, you, if that's you, settle it today. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. And you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Maybe you're here and you say, I've followed Christ, but I've never fought in believers' baptism. You come as well. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of testimony pointing to our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you just want to come pray at the front. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to come in humility pray for our nation, for its leaders, for its future. So we stand and sing, if God is speaking to you, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.